0: Reading is taken from Psalm 131, and you can find it on your page 625 in the church Bibles beside you, or it'll be on the screen behind me. 625. Psalm 131. My heart is not proud. O oh Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters, all things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quietened my soul, like a wean child with its mother. Like a wean child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters, all things too wonderful for me. but I have stilled and quietened my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a wean child is my soul within me. O oh Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore.
1: The uh, second reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through to 44, correction, 45, on page 1026 of the uh, Pew Bibles. Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. This is a word of our Lord.
2: Well, I'd be tremendously encouraged if you would open your Bibles again to page 625, and we're going to look at Psalm 131 together. Uh, so, do please open your uh, Bible to that page, 625, Psalm 131. Am I on? Am I on? Hello? No, I'm not. I'm not switched on. That would help. What about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah? Okay. okay. Okay, this one's on. I'm on now as well. Great. Okay, so I've got a question to start with this morning. And my question is this Why are you here? Why are you here this morning? Perhaps some of you have to be here. Your arm's been twisted, uh, and you've uh, uh, been forced to come this morning. Um, But I want want you just to ask yourself that question. Why are you here? In um, the the New Testament, uh, in 1 Peter Peter chapter 2, it says this. We're to be like newborn babies who crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Why are you here? Well hopefully because you've got a craving to be satisfied and there's many places that you may look for satisfaction but actually if you're honest with yourself those places you look just can't scratch that deep itch that needs to be satisfied. You need spiritual milk, you need the Word of God, The Bible says, the living word of God, who's the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to turn to him. The Bible is really, really clear that God is not silent, that he's a speaking God, and he's spoken for himself. And he speaks in many different ways. He speaks through the creation. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. But more amazingly, God's spoken to us Through the Bible, his Word, he speaks to us. He's not silent and he's spoken. And as we look outside and we see the masterpiece of creation, that speaks of the creator. And here before us, uh, we have his word. And when we come to listening to the Bible, actually, we're doing something incredible because we're doing this. We're thinking God's thoughts after him. That's what we do each and every time we open the Bible. We're thinking God's thoughts after him. And Psalm 131 is beautiful. It gives us an intimate window into the heart, the inner life of someone who's learned how to still himself amongst the busyness and the noisiness of life. And as we eavesdrop in on this psalmist, perhaps we can ask this question, why should I bother even listening to him? Why bother? Why is he worth listening to this morning? Well, number one, he was chosen by God to be king over Israel. Do you remember the story David and Goliath? It's it's this David, David who kind of used the sling and killed that big, kind of, the big guy and then cut his head off, giving victory over God's people, uh, victory for God's people over the enemy. It's this guy who wrote this psalm, and he became king, chosen by God, and he knew God. This is a man who's walking with God. And David invites us in, if you like, it's a show and tell of how you can know that you're at peace on the inside. David wants to teach us how to be at peace on the inside. This was written 3,000 years ago and it applies to us today. And the psalm speaks of someone who's mastered, who's learned and who's understood what it means to be quiet on the inside. The, The New Testament talks about it like this, it's a peace which passes all understanding. That's what's on offer for us today. The man isn't noisy on the inside, he's not busy busy, he's not living his life on edge. Pressures of achievement aren't consuming him, failure and despair don't plague this man, and anxiety and fear aren't causing him to kind of free fall into a tailspin, into despondency. He's quiet on the inside, he's composed. Is Psalm 131, is that you? Is that your experience? Of life? If not, what's the noise that's going on on the inside of you? Where's it coming from? Let me first of all tell you what this psalm's not about. It's not about you and I having an easygoing personality or low expectations from life. It's not a retreat from the troubles of life to a retirement of ease. It's not the kind of quietening inner noise that a a nice glass of red wine or some Prozac can satisfy you with. Psalm 131 speaks of an inner quiet that's present. An inner quiet that's present smack bang in the middle of hardship and trouble and difficulty and persecution. It's a peace and it's a composure and it's learned, it's learned through a relationship. It's not spontaneously uh, found, it's found in a relationship. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 131, it's found with the Lord. In verse 3, we're to put our hope in the Lord. Now what does that mean? Well, how does this happen? Because in verse 2, the Psalmist says this, but, or surely, I have stilled and quietened my soul. So David says, listen, pay careful attention. Think God's thoughts after him, and he wants us, uh, he wants to show us the results of this piece first and foremost. First, one, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. David's learned to be able to say, first and foremost, I'm not something, I'm not this. Baby steps. It's baby steps. You need to be able to identify what you're not. Now, I used to go fishing when I lived on the Isle of Wight. I used to go to a place called Apsheath, and there was this beautiful pool that I used to go fishing in. I was always trying to catch this massive carp called Nessie. We could never catch it. It was too clever for us. But it was a lovely setting, kind of countryside in the background, and um, it, was a, it was a really beautiful pool, and kind of the slightest vibration would send Nessie into hiding. So, we'd be really quiet as we go around this pool. You could even see the breeze as it kind of went across the face of the water. The slightest tremor from your footsteps would kind of ripple out. And if a fish kind of jumped up and splashed, the, kind of, uh, uh, the shock wave went out across the pool. And in a similar kind of way, the psalmist is saying, The word of God, this psalm in front of you, can make you highly sensitive to noise, it's an instrument to detect gusts and tremors and the thrashings of your soul. Well, what makes you so noisy inside? What makes me noisy inside? Let's flip this psalm into its opposite. Look at verse 1 again. Address it to yourself, to me. My heart is proud. I'm absorbed with myself. My eyes are haughty, and I look down on high at others, I look down on you. I chase after things too great and too difficult for me, verse two, so of course I'm noisy and I'm restless inside, it comes naturally. I'm like a hungry infant fussing on his mother's lap. I'm like a hungry infant, I'm restless with my demands and my worries. Verse three, I scatter my hopes onto anything and anybody and all of the time. Noisiness makes perfect sense to us, right? You can identify where the noise comes from. It comes from within. We imagine ourselves. We think we're independent. We're autonomous creatures that we don't need God, that we can be the masters of our own ships. And no one's going to tell me any different. I'm the boss of my own life, right? That's what we say to ourselves. Naturally, your heart, my heart, we're proud. We want to live for ourselves. And a symptom of the disease that's inside all of us is that we're noisy people. We're noisy on the inside. But actually, if we're honest, a little bit of noise it doesn't seem that much of a big deal, does it? I just want a little bit of appreciation for what I do. I want respect. I want approval and understanding. Is that too much to ask for? I don't want much. If only I had better health or a little bit more money or a more meaningful job. Nicer clothes, perhaps a better holiday destination. Or a more restful holiday for some people then I'd be happy. If I got that, then I'd be happy. I just want to feel good. I want more control. I want to be comfortable in life. I want God to be on my side for a change, if he's even there. In fact, I want God to do my will. In fact, I want to be my own God. I want to be the boss. That's the issue, isn't it? That's what we're up against. That's what we want to deal with that's on the inside of us. By nature, we're restless. We've got this noisiness on the inside. The Bible calls that sin, actually. It's a desire to run life our own way without reference to the God who created the world and made us. And the noise tips us off to what's going on. So it goes with a territory that we can be opinionated and have haughty eyes. I'm going to look down on others. My pride's going to do that. I'll look down on you in some way. And in my eyes, I'm right compared to you. One lady describes it like this. She said, I can almost never see eye to eye with people. I have virtually no true peers. There's the odd person, the kind of pedestal person, people she thought that could do no wrong. But there's many, many pit people, people to look down upon for one reason or another. And she thanked her lucky stars that she wasn't like that. She had a long list of disappointed relationships. Here's a woman with a lot of inner noise on the inside. fretful, easily offended, self-absorbed, competitive and a tendency towards depression. And she became a Christian. She became an infant in Christ. And she learned composure. She learned to be quiet. And she grew up in Christ. And do you know what? Of all places, she found peers in the church, in church family. She found people that she could have friendships with, and relationships. You could say, verse 1, she stopped pursuing impossibilities, stopped going after things too great and too wonderful for her. Well, that's the result of what peace can look like in someone's life. But what's the process of peace? How can we know this peace that passes all understanding? Well, the Bible is really, really clear. We need to be weaned. We need to be weaned. We need to go through the weaning process. Something that once meant everything to us now must become nothing. There's a total transformation that this is talking about. And you either get this or you don't. You either know how to quieten your soul or you're still noisy on the inside. There's only two choices. David puts it like this. You're either a nursing baby or you're a weaned child. Verse 2. Surely I have stilled and quietened my soul, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. To quiet the soul, literally, is to silence that noise. You need to bulldoze the building and start again. To say shh to your fears and anxieties and irritabilities and desires. And this sort of composure, it's not apathy, it's that still pull of water, it's the alertness that that brings to be still and to be quiet. It's not a sleepy ease; it's self-mastery. There was a 16th-century theologian by the name of John Calvin, and this guy was treated really badly in his life, and he was kicked out of a place called Geneva. And he said this: he says, self-mastery has kind of two kind of two faces. First, we need knowledge of God. That is. We need to see the grace and the power and the might uh, of God. We need to behold him, like what that first song was talking about. Secondly, knowledge of God leads us to knowledge of ourselves. And he says this, we're never going to attain true knowledge of ourselves until we've previously contemplated the face of God. And after that, we look inwardly. So those two things, we see who we are and we see who God is. And those two things... Uh, help us so this is how a proud heart becomes humble it's not by doing penance and beating yourself up Uh, it's not about pulling up your moral socks and trying harder with a stiff upper lip it's not that at all it's not your willpower there's only one way and that's by believing the promises that God's made through his word found in a person Jesus Christ who wants you to be in relationship with him And part of that means, actually, we need to humble ourselves because we need to recognise that we're people who need help. We need to be rescued. Like someone who's drowning out on a kind of crazy ocean, we need to be rescued by someone else. It comes from outside of ourselves. And there's only one who can do that. One who's powerful enough uh, to go out and rescue someone from a stormy life. And that's the promise that we find in Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. And he's come to rescue. And he's come to make himself known. And he's the ultimate fulfillment of what this psalm's all about. He's the heartbeat of this psalm. The Bible says that Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. If the Bible's true, right, if Jesus really is God's, and he's God who's come to the earth, then he humbled himself to become a man. He became a man, and he humbled himself to death even death on a cross. Why? Well, he came not to look down on us, but he came to be looked down upon for us, for you and I. And he concerned himself with the greatest matter of all. What's that? Well, that's to rescue your soul. It's to rescue you from sin and judgment and hell. That's why he came. And we can escape that danger by learning how to trust him as a good king and a good Lord turning away from being our own boss to turning to him waving the white flag if you like learning how to put our trust uh, in King Jesus who rescues us by dying for us dying the death that we should die so the process of peace begins by taking the promises of God really seriously look at verse 2 I've stilled and quietened my soul I'm like a weaned child with its mother like a weaned child is my soul Within me. Let me just grab this. So Joel, our youngest, who's nine months. Um, before he was weaned, when he was hungry and he was put on my wife's lap, when he was put there, he kind of thrashed about. He was one-track-minded. He was, he'd get agitated. He knew exactly what he wanted. He'd root around and squirm if he wasn't immediately satisfied. He would fret and kind of fuss. His mother's milk was everything. That's all he wanted. It was life and health and satisfaction and joy all in one package. And if it wasn't delivered right now, then the noise would be heard. We would know about it. We would know about it. But now he's been weaned and it's a dramatic change. Actually, I can feed him and he can drink himself. He can hold this beaker and he can give himself a drink. I wouldn't dare give him a spoon just yet because he'd get it everywhere. He'd get it all over his face, but it's baby steps. It's baby steps. That's what we're thinking about this morning. Becoming an infant in Christ. Learning to trust him. Because Jesus is the one who can offer us peace. I just want you just to picture your soul for a moment. Just picture your soul for a moment as a small child on your lap in front of you. Noisy and squirming and fretting and fussing. And you need to say to your soul, Jesus is my peace. Jesus is the place where I find peace. Why? Because Jesus brings peace vertically. You can have peace with God again, the God you've rejected in your life. And that brings peace horizontally. You can have peace with other people and have friendships you thought that you'd never have. And thirdly, you can have an inner peace with yourself. It's where the noise can go quiet. It's where you can really know how to quieten your soul. Well, we've seen the result and we've seen the process. Thirdly, We're given the reason for peace. Look at verse 3. O Israel, O people of God, O people here in St. Jude's this morning, put your hope in the Lord now and forevermore. See, the Lord Jesus Christ is our hope. And either humility kicks in and we go, yeah, I need this rescue. I need Jesus in my life. Or we're staying proud and we're saying, no, I don't want this. Either humility kind of kicks in or it doesn't. And when it does, then haughtiness lowers its gaze. And I stop pursuing impossibilities. And I start depending on certainties. The word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's revealed himself and made himself known. Look again at verse 3 with me, because I think there's great awe and wonder in this verse for you this morning. Grab hold of it. Make your soul consider this command afresh. Put your hope in the Lord now and forevermore. Now I'm an Arsenal fan and Arsenal are playing Man United this afternoon and and I'm really hoping that Arsenal are going to beat Man United but I'm not certain they're going to do it. I mean it's possible but I'm not certain. We've had had, uh, 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 some bad games lately but Bible hope is a certain hope. It is a sure and certain hope. Uh, We're hoping in a person, the Lord Jesus, who came from heaven and died. And he died and was risen again. We're trusting in someone who's come into human history, who walked the earth and wants to know you and be in relationship with you. And actually, we can know this hope. Just look up at Psalm 130. I spoke on this uh, a few weeks ago. Um, And it says in verse 1, From the depths we're to cry to the Lord." We're to cry to him for mercy. Why? Look at verse 4 of Psalm 130. Because with the Lord there's forgiveness. Therefore he's to be feared. We're to fear him. Verse 5 and verse 6. Grab hold of your soul and say, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to put my hope in him and in his words. The Lord's our hope. He's the one who has mercy on us. He forgives our sin. Therefore, we're to fear him, because he's going to return to judge the living and the dead. I put my hope in the Lord today, and that's what I'll continue to do forever. Let me just end by speaking about this bloke. Um, We're going to sing a song that he wrote. um, uh, And uh, his name is Horatio Spafford. And he was a very successful lawyer. And in 1871, a fire broke out in Chicago. And this fire consumed the bloke's business. Everything this guy had was burned up in the fire, and he planned to travel to Europe to rebuild his life again with his wife and four daughters. He was called away on business, and his wife and four daughters sailed from Chicago to Europe. And as they were sailing, uh, his ship that was, uh, this, this, this ship that was going across the Atlantic collided with another vessel, uh, and it sank. And he recovered a telegram from Anna, his wife, saying two words saved alone. All four of his daughters died. As Horatio crossed the Atlantic to meet his grieving wife and as his ship passed near where his daughters died he was inspired to write this song. The song's called It Is Well With My Soul. We're going to sing it in a minute. There's a line that says Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Horatio had learned how to still himself among the noisiness of life. It'd be a great thing to do to memorise Psalm 131. It'd be a great thing to do. If you don't yet know what it means, if you're not able to declare with confidence that it's well with my soul, then don't sing in this next song. Just listen to the words. Listen to those around you singing this song for you. And perhaps come and, come, and, come and speak with me after the service. I'm going to be sat at the back. If you'd like to talk about what that might mean for you, come and, come and talk to me. If you're too busy today and you can't do that, drop me an email. You'll find um, my email address or make a, make a call to the office. I'd love to speak with you about this. Maybe you're going through something at the moment. Maybe life's really difficult for you um, and you need time with someone. We've got a pastoral care team here that would love to come alongside you and love to support you if you're going through it. Well, make yourself known. Uh, Don't leave today before doing that. We're going to sing this song. The band are going to come up now. uh, And as they come up, I'm going to pray for us. Let's just pray. Lord, please may we be those uh, who have learned what it is to still and quiet our souls. Lord Jesus, please would you be our peace. Help us to know peace with you and with others and internally as well. Help us to declare that it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.